Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to open up our lives and minds with you. We are your companion on the journey to grow your healthcare practice, yourself, and your relationships. To get you started, we've got a free email course on our website, shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course with practical steps on overcoming your fear and anxiety. Thank you for joining us on the Shrink Think Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Shrink Think Podcast. We're excited to continue our series on the different kinds of therapy that are out there. In the first episode of this series, we talked about CBT, which is Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, which was kind of a response to all of the psychoanalysis that was out there. And in the second episode, we talked about psychodynamic, which was kind of a you know, precursor to CBT and a response in some ways to psychoanalysis. And today we're going to be talking about kind of a modern version of psychodynamic. When I say modern, I mean um, probably what is it like in the last 20 years or so, 40 years, yeah, from Dick Schwartz who developed this kind of in, from his own experience as a therapist, being a therapist, his own research. It has uh, come to be, um, have quite a bit of research that's coming out about it. If you have seen the movie, the animated movie came out, I don't know, four or five years ago called Inside Out. That represents a lot of what Internal Family Systems is about. So today we're going to be talking about that one. And I want to break it down because sometimes people say these words really quickly and you're like, wait, what was that? It's Internal Family Systems, and we call it IFS. And Internal Family Systems basically is taking the idea as a concept of a family where you have, let's just say, like a mom, a dad, and you have three kids. And that whole structure has some authority. You know, you've got the parents and then you've got the children. So authority in terms of like parents and children, like those structures there. Then you've got um, different parts or you've got different parts of the system, meaning like this kid, the oldest child, the middle child, the youngest child. And all of that is like this system of a family that has to work together. You know, and if you you think about um, even a dysfunctional family system where you've got you know, one kid doing this and then the dad responding in this way and then another kid reacting and then the mom intervening and saying that and then the youngest over there doing the other thing. Like all of that stuff is like a family system that's happening. Okay, so the part that gets crazy is internal family systems is saying that, yeah, all of that family system stuff is like what's happening inside of you. Yeah, let that sit for a second. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's interesting. And um, I said in the last episode that usually I'll tell people, I'm going to have to kind of make you feel crazy in order to help you to be less crazy. But the idea is that we all have this stuff inside of ourselves, these little versions or parts of ourselves that are going on, and we need to understand them and the relationship they have with one another and our relationship to them in order to, in essence, settle the internal dysfunction or distress that's going on inside of ourselves. So that's kind of the basic idea about internal family systems. But Nathan, go ahead and walk us through a little bit more detail what it is and how it works and why it's important. Yeah, I need to back up a little bit. So we go back in time, Richard Swartz graduates grad school. He graduated actually from a very similar program to Aaron and I. 
and as a family therapist. And that's actually, in some ways, I'm feeling like less of a thing these days, actually, the family systems idea. But at any rate, he graduates and, you know, you, you want to help people, right? You're going to change the world. He enters into therapy to practicing with eating disorders. And as a therapist, when I hear eating disorders, it, it makes me nervous because it's got a very high mortality rate. It's very difficult to work with. These folks that are struggling with that, like literally they're in danger of dying on a regular basis, have to be very monitored physically. After doing that, working with this population for a while, he's frustrated. He's not getting any more different change than anywhere else, like than any, any other therapist he knows. It's kind of like, yep, here we go. And nobody's being effective. And this one lady apparently says to him one day, she's like, well, a part of me wants to eat. It's like another part of me won't let it. And he's like, in his mind, in that moment, he went, okay, what the heck? We're going to go with this. We're going to, we're just going to go with it. <laughs> Nothing else is working. We might as well try this. <laughs> right? <laughs> he thought, I've been trained in the family systems model. What if, what if these parts are like little people that are inside this person and we can talk to them individually, right? Let's just see if we can actually have a conversation here with this. And that's kind of basically where everything started, right? So it's funny because when I, when I tell that story, it highlights how different of a, of a theory that it is because it completely exploded from that point on. And there's a lot more, I may say more about some stuff that was in the early days of that later. But for me, when I first started looking at IFS, I looked at it as an intervention. When I first started to understand it, I was reading um, a book on trauma and I saw, oh, IFS is a treatment. And I started looking at it. I'm like, oh, I could probably use the concept of, because I, so one thing about trauma when you're working with it, oftentimes you run into situations where you have multiple personalities that people have. They develop different uh, ways to do things over the course of time. Anyway, I don't want to go totally into DID, but I was thinking, man, with IFS, you could even work with somebody that had full-blown multiple personalities and then also somebody that just had anxiety. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Maybe I should learn more about that. And then and then I, you and I, Aaron, went to this 12-hour training, which actually a 12-hour two-day training is a pretty big, it's a pretty long training in our world. But you're not. You, it's barely scratching the surface. <laughs> yeah, yeah, barely. With, with IFS, that was like scratching the surface. Like I can actually do a 12-hour training on EMDR or an intervention like that and and get it. But like, you, what happens with IFS is you realize like this is not intervention. This is not intervention. <laughs> it's a complete worldview. I mean, it's a total perspective on the person and what's going on and. And how you treat it, and and even there are interventions. So it's not just a, a worldview or a or a theory or a perspective. It's also and here's what you do about it because of our belief about that. What's going on for a person and how change actually happens. Yes, and I think as a therapist, and um, am not alone in the reason why this this IFS situation has completely exploded. Because it, keep in mind, this is all happening like. 1986, this whole thing starting somewhere back in the early 90s and um, on the East Coast, right? So there's folks, there's therapists that I've networked actually from the East Coast that they, this IFS thing is not remotely new. It doesn't feel like it's like, oh yeah, well, I do that. I've done that. I don't care. And I think for us out here on the West Coast, it's exploded here in the last few years because of the fact that it works, that we know now so much about trauma 
And then with IFS, it's like looking at it going, holy mackerel, you can actually work in depth with trauma in a very safe way that can help people move extremely quick. And and that is really exciting, especially in the in the world of of working with like all the the big the big pain the the stuff that anyone would say is horrible. Not like what I what we talked about in an early episode of capital T trauma. I mean, I've been doing therapy for about eighteen years, and in the last two years, <laughs> to circle back briefly, Aaron and I and a couple other therapists that are here at our at our site went out and got. Um, trained in IFS to where we are capable and competent to do it. It is a very complex theory. On your side as the client, not really complex. On our side, trying to help you, really complex. Um, so, and in some ways, I would even add that it's not intuitive. It makes a lot of sense, but um, because of what is going on, it is there is so much that you have to kind of unlearn as a person. That in order to let things happen, which I think is why going back to, you know, uh, Richard Schwartz, his experience, I think in a lot of ways he had to come to the place where he's like, all right, let's give this a try. Let's go like, let this happen. I think he needed to be so frustrated to let that happen in order to discover this, because in a lot of ways, uh, going through that training, we struggled for, you know, probably the first, I don't even know, like six, eight days of the training. This is a long training. There's like the first six, eight days to like unlearn doing certain things to allow the, uh, other things to happen and go with those things. So all I'm saying is like, it's very complicated and it took a lot of work that's not intuitive, but it really works because when you can allow these things to happen, some incredible magic really does take place. Uh, let me let you get back to your story of like, what is it? And maybe you can give our listeners an idea of, um, of how it really works. Yeah. Where I was going with that is in 18 years of therapy, in the last two years since getting trained, I have had people um, have physical change. IFS took off, especially more even in the recent years, because what's happening is we're able to measure some of these things. So what's happened, like this is kind of crazy to say. People have experienced what's called first generational change, which that would be the equivalent just for your mind to picture this picture. You broke your leg and you go into the doctor and you know, you broke your leg. You're looking at it and it's not good. And the doctor touches your leg and now it's healed. And then you walk out. There's no cast. You're not doing any of that. You walk out. There has been that kind of change I've seen with people psychologically that has actually affected their physical body. I've had one client for some reason, she's like, what am I doing right now? She was crying out of one eye, not both. Um, I like to say that IFS is a super, super teeny tiny scalpel that can touch an individual neuron somehow. It just helps you touch an individual thing. Another guy regained a sense of smell while we were doing therapy. Uh, another person, and I, I know you're going to want more explanation for this. We won't have time for it. Literally grew two inches in less than 30 days. In height. In height, um, which was provable in this situation, actually provable. And the person was a natural academic and skeptic. Um, I'll just say, I, I think to give just a brief um, description of that, it's I think when you heal a part of yourself 
that causes you to kind of, in some ways, hunch your body over. And I'm not just saying hunch over like the person was now standing up tall, like, like, look, I'm on my tippy toes. I grew two inches. No, it's more like when your body can relax and, and be strong and confident, it has a different posture. Your body spreads itself out over space differently. And in some ways, um, I think what had happened was this person was kind of more shrunken into themselves. And when that was healed and resolved, they were able to be more confident and stretched out in over space and time. And that caused some growth. Anyway, keep going. I, I, yeah. It was just a fascinating story. Yeah, there's a lot more to that. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and tell the short version of that. This person is a mom who who has some who has children. I want to give two identifying. Um, my point of saying that though is that she, she's older in life. She's not old by any stretch of the imagination, but she's grown. Is my point. And she wasn't seeing any any chiropractor. She wasn't seeing any any folks that were working on her back, like no massage stuff. She had, and we're, we're going to get into this a little bit from a parts perspective of what IFS is, which will make a little bit more sense to you in, in a few minutes from now, but she had a part of her that was, that was younger, we'll say a teenager, that um, had, had trouble with eating. And, um, and what happened with, with the whole eating and the eating disorder um, was that she, she just refused to eat, right? So, um, so as a teenager, and a lot of teenage girls actually struggle with that. And so what happened in therapy was that in, with IFS is she was able to meet with that part of herself and essentially heal it and unburden it. So this part was burdened with the idea of not eating. And so her theory was, was that, um, cause I was like, how do you explain that? And this is, this is the, the stuff that's different, um, with IFS when Aaron was talking about it's counter kind of counterintuitive. As a therapist, you really are just a facilitator. You're just trying to essentially help the bowling ball go down the bowling alley. Um, so you're asking, like, I, like, I'm like, how did you, what do you think happened? And she related that what she thought happened was when that part healed, it let nutrition back in her body. It just allowed her body to be more efficient with, and she eats well, more efficient with how, how, how her body moved material. Um, but the, the weird thing was, is like, I mean, I said, would your husband believe you? She's like, no. This is the first day of school. That what happened was every, you know, a lot of you guys out there as parents, you have your kids, and then on the first day of school, you measure them. Well, we're going to see how tall you are, you know, write your little line on the door, you know, and the next year you do the same thing. Well, they, their family does the same thing. And then um, her, her friend came over. Um, like in October, so school starts in September. So about about a month later, and it wasn't like late October, it was early October, comes over and says, hey, you're taller. And she goes, well, I've been this height for my, my, like for my whole life. Like, not my whole life, obviously, but since I've got as high as I can get. And she's like, no, I'm that same height. You're not that height. And so sh- she goes, well, we, this is easy because we just, I literally just did this. My kids measured me like, earlier this last month and so and you might think well kids they're not doing it right well there's this whole thing you know how kids know no mom you have to have blah blah right so she measures herself and yep she's two inches taller she looks back and i I was like what did your husband do he went down and goes make sure your heels against the door i'm doing this whole thing (laughs) but they had done it so for so many times that it was it was even disbelieving for him it was it was hard for him to believe but he he knew that it was right before, right? So anyway, um, interesting story and that kind of thing. I, I don't want to give folks false hope. 
it's just one of those situations. It's like our mind has so much power. I think of those those guys in the Tiananmen Square that protested the three Chinese monks like a long time ago, and they set themselves on fire in Tiananmen Square and just sat there and didn't yell out, didn't make noise because they had total control over their nervous system, essentially, and just shut it off. I mean, that's kind of the only explanation. We The mind is very powerful when you realize that there's a vehicle that can kind of unlock a lot of this stuff. It's just kind of amazing. So let's get into actually what IFS is. So we've talked about like the effects of it and how incredible it is. Like we just want to give you kind of an overview of like what it is so you have an idea of how it might be helpful to you. So the concept is that um, as you mentioned, Nathan, we've got these different parts of ourselves and there are different categories um, within that. So we've got protector parts and then we've got exile parts. And you can have any number of, of any of those. There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. Each one of us is as simple or as complex as we are. And within those categories, the protector parts, we've got two subcategories, you could say, managers and firefighters. The managers are the ones that are like your proactive, usually like more socially acceptable um, parts of ourselves. And it's interesting whenever people come into therapy and we're talking about IFS and we're trying to do this and trying to do that, uh, the manager parts are always the ones that are driving the bus. They're always the ones that are like, okay, how do I do this? And is that why this happens? And if I do this, is that going to you know, do this? And do I need to stop? And I'm like, that's a really active manager. That manager is trying to understand what's happening. It's trying to prevent stuff. It's trying to drive you in a certain direction to get help because it knows your system needs the help. So, but it's a protector part, and we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, but there's managers like that that are proactive, and then there are firefighter protector parts that are more reactive. And these are the ones that are not as uh, socially acceptable. <laughs> That's a diplomatic way of saying it. Um, but they can be really angry or rageful parts. Uh, they can be parts that... Um, that shut things down, like shut your entire system down from feeling anything, from even being aware of what's going on, because the firefighter part is essentially saying, okay, things have gotten bad enough. Nobody else is doing anything. I'm going to step in and, and put the fire out here. And that's exactly what happens. So just from a functional standpoint, you can see that you've got manager parts that are trying to, to take things in a certain direction, and then firefighter parts that are reacting to bad stuff that's happening in order to kind of shut it all down and like, okay, story's over, we're safe again, or everything's calm. So those are like the two main categories. And then you've got your exile parts, which are essentially um, parts that have not really been accepted by your system. They are perceived as being weaker or causing the problems in your life. And there are parts of yourself that, um, that have essentially become rejected as bad in your system. And so within all of this, you know, we're talking about protectors and exiles. The larger idea is that you get these polarizations or these reactions. Um, if you just want to simplify it down, you know, take one of the protector parts and one of the exile parts. Um, when one, when something happens, you know, you're a kid and you do something, you know, you forget to um, turn the oven off and then it starts a fire and then, you know, something bad happens or whatever. Um, and maybe you get blamed and you feel ashamed of yourself. You feel like, oh, I'm so bad. I should have remembered, you know, something really bad happened. Well, inside what might be happening is that this exile part 
um, is blamed by your system, maybe another part steps in and is like, okay, you're always causing trouble. Um, you that needs to stop. We're no longer going to be lazy, procrastinate. Um, we're going to be now very diligent from now on. So this other protector part steps in and essentially uh, rejects this other part of you and says, you're bad. You're the reason all these things are happening in your life. We're not going to let that happen anymore. And now me, savior of the world, the, this protector part is going to drive your life and you're going to do everything to a T. You're going to stay on top of everything, dot all your I's and cross all your T's, and that's how we're going to live our lives. And that, and you might become very successful, but inside you've got that polarization that's going on. One part of you that's been rejected by this other part of you that's now driving the ship. Which in IFS is very normal, and and, and IFS honors and respects that. Um, There's some components here. So uh, Aaron's just talked about the parts. The, there is a home base. There is a true self that exists. So, and if you didn't, if you didn't have a true self, then you couldn't actually have parts, right? You're just blowing around in the wind everywhere. Yeah, and that's just going back to what I said earlier. You know, when you've got this family system, you've got the parents and then the children. The parents would kind of be, kind of be representative of the true self, because from a child standpoint, before you were born, there were parents. Right. The parents had to exist in order for you to be born into them. So the self is like that pre-existing, you know, great quality. Right. So um, Schwartz has broke down these the uh, self into basically what he called what they, everybody calls the eight C's, which and I've said that I'm like, oh, great. And I have to remember all of them. Um, but it's being calm and curious and confident and courageous and having clarity and being creative, compassionate. Yep. And um, I feel like I'm. I feel like that might be all. If I think another one, I'll, I will tell you. But the idea is, is that when you are in the vibe, so to speak, as the kids are saying these days, they're just vibing. When they're in, when you're in the vibe of the eight C's, you are in yourself. And if you're not, so you're anxious, or you're angry, or you're depressed, or you're sidetracked, then you are not in yourself. You are in a part. So by definition. A part is simply uh, emotions and thoughts and probably a belief that are directly linked. They are directly linked. So you've said before, because at some point, pretty much everybody does it. Well, a part of me wants to go to the store, but then there's another part of me that's like, I don't want to get out of this. I don't want to get off this couch. That's a good example. I mean, and actually IFS would take that very seriously. They would go, okay, so what's that like? What's this like for this part of you that's sitting on the couch to have this other part of you saying, like, get off the couch, we need to go get groceries, you know, and you would maybe get into that experience. And so that's therein lies where Aaron was talking about in the very beginning, like, I'm going to have to help you to feel a little bit crazy here before we keep going. Because the first thing that people will say, which maybe you're already doing is, are you telling me that I have multiple personalities? I mean, what's going on here? Well, no, but you have ev- all theories, as we've talked about with Freud, even have these have this component of understanding called of sub personalities these person these ways of being that are kind of um situational so to speak and freud would they would he would probably argue with ifs and say well all that you're really doing is saying is trying to break the ego up more and then put some of these other like firefighters would be in the category of the id 
and managers would be in the category of the superego. Um, IFS would not want to do that for several reasons, but one of those main ones is because IFS therapists will even not argue by any stretch, but like have conversations about whether or not like, well, is that really a manager? Cause it also could be a firefighter. Um, to give you a little bit of a difference though, um, with, with, again, without trying to give details between IFS and maybe something that's more CBT, like this more drastic. After having learned IFS, I, my approach to helping somebody with a suicidal scenario, which in IFS, somebody who's thinking about suicide, that, that little thought, belief, and emotion constellation we are going to call a part, a part of them want to commit suicide. And the belief system of internal family systems is that there are no bad parts and that parts don't, are not trying to hurt you. They are trying to help you. Now, they, they don't necessarily recognize or care about that this part of you might not care about the impact it's making. It just, the motivation and the intention it has is probably good. And so you're trying to help the person as, to, to realize what's the intention. And so with a person that's struggling with suicide, Rather than going down a typical road of like trying to look, okay, let's make sure what's your plan, which like how available are bad things for you to do, like, you know, whatever that happens. How can we keep you safe? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You end up not doing that. With IFS, you honor the fact that like, okay, there's a part of you that's really trying to help here. So can you, and you get into the space of that suicidal part and really try to understand it, which other in other modalities would be terrifying because you're like what all you're doing is like proponing and validating this right yeah i i have a a client i worked with that had something very similar and it was like a very violent and rageful uh part of themselves and and initially like i noticed i recognize this is where the whole counter transference stuff um and transference stuff comes in because i noticed like i was afraid of this part and I remember talking in our supervision group about it and somebody was asking like, well, how do you feel about that part? Are you afraid of it? Does it bother you? And I was like, well, I just, I guess I don't really know what to do with it. And I am concerned that it's going to hurt this client or I'm concerned that it's, you know, just got a lot of energy and whatever motiva- motivation behind it. And they're like, well, I'm sure the client feels that and is like pushing back against that. And I was like, you know, you're right. I need to get to a place where I really do want to just understand that part. And I've got some care and compassion for it. So I was not in myself about it. So I shifted, I did a little bit of work and shifted and got myself to a curious place with that part. And, um, come to find out that part was a, uh, probably a firefighter that, or, or an exile actually, that was essentially, um, had a voice that was not able to speak up in this person's childhood. It was a part of them that was told was bad, that was not allowed to talk, not allowed to give feedback or input or say anything. And so it had been muzzled for years and years and years. And if you can imagine being someone who was not allowed to give your opinion in a system for a long time, you might get really, really, really angry. And that's exactly what this part was. It was so angry. It was violently angry. But all it really wanted and needed was to be heard and understood. It needed to have a voice. And so as soon as we can understand and acknowledge that this part needed to have a voice and gave it a voice within this person's system, um, not meaning that everything that it said this client did, but that it could say something and give its opinion, its thought, its feeling, whatever about a situation. And the client would say, yeah, I hear that. I understand. I can see the value in that. 
but we're going to go in this other direction. That's all that part wanted. It just needed to be heard. And as soon as that happened, all of that like violent self-harm, suicidal kind of stuff died down all because all the other parts inside stopped being afraid of it because all of a sudden this part could be understood and it no longer needed to be so angry and violent. Right. There's, there is this concept of, of there's, there's kind of two things going on with parts that are not, that are negative for last better way to say it. One is that these exiles may be wounded. And then on the other side, the protectors are burdened, right? So we've got wounds that need to be healed and we have burdens that need to be lifted. And so the only way to do that, the belief of the theory is that like, as a therapist, you're not going to do that. The person has to has to do that, but they first have to understand that burden. They have to look at the burden, like what actually are they even carrying? And so IFS kind of cre- is a facilitation of space. It like creates the space for the person in their true self. Remember the eight C vibe, right? To be able to be with the part and look at it and realize the intention, and not and it like the intention and also the impact at the same time. Yeah, it's like that, this client I'm telling you about, it's inside because there was a part that was misunderstood and misjudged and mischaracterized by every other part of the system, it was reacting. And so that was creating a lot of, you know, uh, a distress and dynamic inside them. But when that part could be accurately understood of, oh, you just wanted to speak up and, you know, advocate for this, this good thing. Well, all of a sudden, all the other parts were like, oh, oh, we didn't know that you were trying to do that for us. Well, that's a good thing. And that part was like, that's what I've been trying to say all along, but nobody would listen. Nobody would let me speak. But because IFS could see that it had a good intention, it could now become a part that had a different role. It had a different, I mean, it could release the burden and it was now characterized more accurately in the system that the system could accept. And the person inside now no longer had the same kind of tension or distress inside um, because they knew better who they were, who this part was, and what they needed. Parts often suffer from a paradox, right? They're, they're experiencing the same thing that they're trying to get rid of. So as an example, a five-year-old, you know, he's really like just a normal kid. Parents fight a lot, and um, he's got like a, like there's a lot of anxiety that's going on, but he's used to that. That just is what it is. But sometimes in big fights, um, parents will feel bad and then they'll get him a donut, right? So he eats the donut and um, he really likes the donut. Now, fast forward, he's 35, severely overweight. Doctors telling him that he has to change his eating habits or he's going to get, he's basically pre-diabetic. He could die um, eventually, right, from this food thing if he doesn't get a handle on it. Well, that part of him that learned at five years old to eat the donut goes, oh my gosh, this is so stressful. We needed a donut. Like, well, what just happened? Like, no, it's too stressful. We could die, so we need to eat a donut. Like, But the doctor just said, don't eat any more donuts. <laughs> right. I know that was really scary. We should go get a donut about that. <laughs> right. And it's so frustrating because also this system of that man knows it's dumb but can't fight against it. Like that part does what's called blends, blends into the and takes over. And just starts eating, even automatically, without even the person even really controlling it. And so, if you, with IFS, you would go back. Now, in this situation, I've totally described it. But when you when you encounter this five year old for the first time, you know, and this man sitting there saying, um, 
I don't know. He likes. He looks like he's. I, and I'll say stuff like, "Well, what is he wearing? What is he? Oh, I, like a white T-shirt." And he's sitting at a table, and there's like a yellow chair, and the, and there's a big box of donuts. Oh, how old does he feel? Right. He feels like he's five years old, and so like you kind of ask more questions and get into it and find out he's seeing. And I and I say, "Well, how do you feel towards him?" I feel like compassion. He's like he's he seems really excited to eat the donuts. Oh, okay. What do you, what else do you notice? Oh, his, his parents are kind of happy. Oh, okay. Well, did, was that true for this whole time? Oh, no. It this is just after like a big fight. Okay. So, um, and then he might, this, this man might tell me, he just wants to feel good with his parents. He just wants to feel safe and he just wants to feel okay with his parents. And I say, what's that? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Of course he wants to feel that way. And he does there, doesn't he? Yeah, he totally does. And then this person's able to interact with this part, to touch it, feel connected and feel like all this compassion and say, you know, what does that part feel like it needs? It just, it just needs that safety. Is there now, right now in your life, are you in that kind of danger relationally? Well, no. Okay. How old does that part think that you are? Oh, that part of me thinks I'm only like 14. Okay, so you have some authority. You can do. You have some advocacy. You can you can do some stuff or agency. Do some stuff for yourself, but you don't have control of everything. And then we might say, um, "How about you introduce this part to who you are? Let this part know that you're something different, and and introduce that maybe this part is actually looking at another part of you that's 14, and just kind of show up and, and just honor the fact that like I see that 14 year old too, but look who I am." And so we can go in deeper than that, but I wanted to get a kind of a flavor of what it's like. And what ends up happening is th- there's shifting in space that happens in the system. And I can, I can use the same idea, and I know we've, we're pushing time here, but even in, in, in small ways with couples, I will sometimes say, in order to, to, to get out of this pattern that you're in, I want you to try to talk to each other from the perspective of, a, of parts. Well, I won't even necessarily go into the whole IFS thing. I'll just let them know. Next time that you're there, say, oh, well, a part of me is really mad that you said that, but I guess another part of me understands where you're coming from or whatever. And what that does is it automatically creates space for the other person to hear like, oh, well, that's only really a part of them. They, it's, like, it's like the person's honoring the fact that they're, although they believe X, Y, Z, that, you know, you're, you're being like a turd to them. They also know who you are. And so you don't end up in these defensive arguments as easily. Yeah. So overall, I guess part of uh, one of the dynamics that I want to highlight that IFS does is inside, you know, we, we talked last time about how psychodynamic creates these shifts in who you are and how you're being. You can see now on a more micro level, you know, you talked about like this very specific surgical level that IFS is looking at these parts of ourselves on a more particular level. And it's creating a shift in terms of the relationship between parts. So that five-year-old and the 14-year-old and then your true self, you know, if you were to draw those out, those are three different um, pieces and you've got the relationship between each one, those are a lot of different relationship dynamics that might need to get healed. And that's only three elements. If you've got, you know, four or five different parts of yourself and then yourself, then that's, you know, uh, many more relationship dynamics that you might need to look at inside and to do some repairs about. 
And I would remind you of the definition of parts, that you're just talking about a thought, an emotion, and a belief. So maybe a little cluster of thoughts. <laughs> and I say that because people go, how many parts do I have? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, am I crazy? Like, no. Imagine that little cluster I'm talking about. You have millions. You could have, honestly, millions of different ways of, like, of like kind of putting yourself together and understanding. And, and parts are not bad. This is not a bad thing. And, I, and I'm saying this. I don't want you to get overwhelmed with, with this whole idea of, of parts. It's, it's a vehicle that you can use to understand and give yourself some space. And I, w- I would encourage you to actually check it out. Um, and you, you, there's some different things out there that, that maybe we can put in our show notes or whatever. Uh, I would say one particular book. It's not really a book. Um, because it's only audio. People have actually tried to get this thing, and it's like, nope, it's on CD. It's kind of more of a meditation, and you need to hear it. You need to listen to it because he's walking you through a guided meditation. Is um, Dick Schwartz greater than the sum of our parts? And uh, it's actually pretty long. You can't drive with it. Well, you can drive with it and get the information. <laughs> you, you should not. We will not be held liable if you <laughs> yeah, do that. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Because you close your eyes, and there's a problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, so overall, um, IFS makes a lot of space for all these parts to be seen and to be valued and to be validated. And that's really important because you can allow these different dynamics inside yourself to be worked out, to be understood, and to be changed. And and the overall goal, as, as IFS sees it, is rather than being part-led, like your life is being led by a part of yourself... Instead, IFS says we want you to be self-led, that true self that's calm and curious and compassionate and confident and all those other C's, um, as opposed to these parts that are carrying a burden or trying to do a job. Instead, the self is like the truest representation of all of those. All of those parts are like a reflection and a piece of that true self. And when that happens, you are like your best self, your best version of yourself. That doesn't mean you do everything perfectly. It just means that you are like your truest or most purest version of yourself, um, which you can then bring to your life, the world, your relationships. And overall, inside, that feels incredible. It feels incredible to be yourself. It really feels like you are home inside of yourself. I really hope that we have done justice to this for you guys in a in a reasonable amount of time. Um, there's a lot more to say about it, um, and it is one of those weird ones. But overall, everyone, thank you for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening. 